So I think at 22 was my first official rock bottom. Drinking and driving like and I did many times, blacked out. Ended up hitting like five parked cars, but for the rest of my 20s, it just got progressively worse and worse and worse. At my worst, I was 300 pounds. On the inside, I'm screaming, holy fuck, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying. And the mental warfare that went inside my head on a daily basis for, you know, better part of a decade. My most powerful why was like, I was just sick of fucking hating myself. That was the moment where, you know, it's what I call today the primal mindset because there, there was something in me where I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I ran five minutes today. I'm going to run six minutes tomorrow. And it was just something inside my head where like, I'm going to get better no matter what. Like, I, and I developed a short memory. Didn't give a fuck what happened the day before. Um, and it was this mantra I developed that I still use to the, today, man. And it was just like, I wake up today, I go today. And that was it. <laughs>
at the age of 13, my dad passed away. He, um, you know, got cancer. He was only 42, which, you know, now being 44, I was like, you know, holy shit, man. He was, he was yeah. fucking young, you no know, doubt. like you don't realize it when you, when you're little, you know, to him, he was always old, you know? Um, so yeah, he passed away at, at 13 and what kind um, of cancer did your father have? He had it right. Um, it was right where the esophagus kind of meets the stomach. Wow. Um, so yeah. And it's, you know, I can't really remember the, the time frame too much, but it, but it seemed like it was pretty quick from, from when, uh, you know, we found out to, you know, he had the surgery. Um, so it looked like he was going to get better and then he got sick again. Wow. So it was kind of like, you know, you know, emotional, you know, man, fuck cancer. Yeah. Fuck cancer. My, my, my mom had cancer too. Luckily yeah. she survived, but she had cancer. Yeah. It's tough, man. Fuck and cancer. It's, uh, you know, I still, you know, remember seeing him in the hospital to at the end where he didn't know we were even there, you know, so, um, to be able to, you know, see that, you know, burned in kind of a 13 year old kid's mind, man. Yeah, that's a it, tough that's, age. That's a tough one. Cause he was, you know, he, you know, he was a big guy, man. He was my Superman. Um, and 13, you're like, you, your brain is so like malleable and you get yeah. so, you, you, you have like, that's like the age where you start actually remembering a lot of things. Yeah. Like if you were maybe like seven, eight would maybe wouldn't be so as clear, right, but right. 13, 13 was, yeah. You yeah forget. 13, you start understanding stuff yeah. too, which it was, um, yeah, it was a summer or, just about the end of eighth grade so then that summer i, I went into high school so you wow. know that's, that's a tough age to not have your dad around um so you know going through high school was you know still okay it's still familiar setting still have my friends who i grew up with you know still had family around still in west islip and um but now, still, do you have any siblings yeah i have an older brother he actually you know, had, how was it on him because i imagine being I, the older he, brother uh, he had to kind of fill you know, the role it, it's funny i mean <laughs> we never really talk about shit you know as a family which is kind of i guess weird but um no it's not my family's kind of the same uh, way yeah <laughs> he uh he was about to graduate high school so my dad didn't even see him graduate high school um he went off to college i was you know eighth grade moving up into high school he didn't even get my dad didn't even get to see me go through high school and i had a sister who was about to graduate you know the sixth grade or whatever and go to middle school so he didn't even get to see any of that you know so he you know, looking back now, especially with young kids, I'm like, fuck, man, he missed out on a lot of shit. Yeah. You know? and, His life was just staying started. Yeah. Man. So he, um, you know, my brother, I believe that had to be the hardest on all of us. You're going away to college, you know, because I know four years later when I went away to college, it, it was hard for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't imagine losing, my, you know, your dad and then all of a sudden you got to go away to college, and, and, you know, and then. And I bet the, the, the thought of, you know, now I'm like the man of the house, should I even go to college, right? Like, you know, my mother and my siblings might need me to stay home, so I'm sure he probably battled, as did you, that question of should I stay home or should I go away or... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that that had to be tough on him, and, and, you know, he was was a very smart guy. How old, how much older? He's four years old. Four years old. So we were basically just missed each other in, in high school. Oh, so he couldn't be like the uh, he couldn't be the bully stopper. No, no. But he, <laughs> he had. Uh, I I still knew people in, in uh, through basketball because I played basketball. He played basketball. People knew me as Little Fonz because you know of him. So um, you know I never had issues with that in, in high school as you know as far as that goes. But uh, yeah, it would have been cool to kind of be maybe around him a little bit more during those times. But you know because he he went away to school. And then he graduated. Like, he basically never came home. He just, you know, he was pretty successful and wanted to, you know, 
do well like he moved away i mean to Bro- you know he lived in brooklyn not too far away so it wasn't like you yeah know, but he, it's still not you right, don't come home every single day and see yeah, yeah so he, he wasn't there so um you know it was you didn't really have any any grown uh father figure or any like older male male, male, role, male model role model there you know through through high school and, and again it wasn't like i had a really too much of a tough time in high school um but i did know i never talked about shit so things were kind of like going on inside my head um i noticed a big chip on my shoulder starting to develop you know because now i'm playing high school sports my dad's not in the stands watching me play you know and that was like a big thing i remember going to the varsity games you know i was in eighth grade seventh grade whatever my brother played varsity and like when you see it as a young kid you're like holy shit everyone's packed in the gym this is sick they have yeah. announcers i'm yeah. like oh, man i can't wait to to play like this man and and you know to see my dad see me but you know unfortunately it never happened but you know i noticed i was definitely getting a chip on my shoulder and you know never really had issues with drinking at all in high school i was you know probably started didn't start drinking until i was probably around 16 or so um you know typical hang out in the high school or yeah yeah drinking the parking lot of the fields and whatnot you know people have parties you know you do that you're playing sports you then you go to the parties and shit like that you know so it was never you get drunk but it was just beer it wasn't hard liquor i never really did drugs or anything like that you know um so i think it, it it wasn't really an issue until i went away to college um i think that's when things really started to take a dive and um yeah college will escalate the uh yeah the drinking for sure it was uh like i said i i went away and that 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 chip on my shoulder started getting bigger because i had three other roommates all of them had their parents there their dads were there you know and i was actually you know i was going to it was a small school d3 mary washington in in, in, uh virginia and i was did you play ball there too i was gonna actually play baseball baseball was probably my my best sport um and i went there and things didn't really work out i remember going there and like they would have tryouts it was basically like scrimmages and i remember being in the field nothing got hit to me i'm like how the fuck they yeah how how are you gonna yeah yeah and I, i remember i was like you got up a few times and i'm like and just I remember just like being like a mind fuck where I'm like, dude, I can't, why can't I hit the ball now? Why can't I hit the ball? And like, I knew I, w- I was good. Um, so like, and coaches there, they don't know who you are. It's mm-hmm. not like, you know, they can be like, all right, well, I know he's good. He's just, you know, in a slump right now. So, you know, things didn't work out. I remember like getting cut and I was like, man, I can't fucking believe I got cut. And um, that's like the first kind of real, I would say, adversity I faced you know, without like my, my dad around, you know, where it was like, all right, not like looking back now, or if that was my son, I'd be like, all right, man. So fucking practice. Like, yeah, don't, don't stop working. You know, you know, you're good, you know, show that. Co- and I've, I remember having like players at the time, like seniors being like, dude, we know like, cause you know, you, you do other drills and shit like that. They can see, like, I can feel real good. And like, yo, I got cut two in the fall and I came back and, and, you know, made it in the spring because it's like two baseball seasons. The yeah, it's like the bullshit season and then the spring season makes you work a little bit, a little bit harder. Yeah, it's like I know that I'm good, but they can't see. You know, I got to work a little right. bit harder. And I didn't, you know, I fucking went the opposite way. <laughs> you know, I was like, you know what, fuck this, fuck everyone, and I started developing like this mentality where I just didn't give a shit about anything, and that really wasn't me. I was always an, an okay student in in high school. Um, I just didn't go to class. I, I was drinking. Um, I became drunk a lot, became like the loudmouth from New York is down in Virginia, you know, <laughs> you, yeah. you stood out like, oh a man, you know, like, 
you were already, but you know, before, yeah. all, especially with the accent, yeah, you were so already that, that kid. Yeah, anything I said, you know, I'd say a word like, "Oh, where are you from?" I'm like, motherfucker, Long Island. So what? You know, like it would just like, and that, like I said, that really wasn't me. You know, and and they all thought I was like, "Oh, that's you know, the loudmouth drunk from New York." You mm-hmm. know, that's Chris Fontana. Big, and I was they like, probably I, thought you were all connected in the mob yeah, or something, yeah, right? So I'm like, they, yo, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with it, and you know, and I think the first year. Um, it wasn't a surprise I failed out. You know, I, I got like a first semester or three D's and an F, which is like a point seven five or some shit like that. Um, went back the next semester and just did not care. Even again, just whatever, just continued to drink. Um, you know, and then like I said, failed out that first year coming home, and that's when that that disappointment feeling, like you know, kind of like I'm where a, I'm a loser now, I'm a failure in life. What the fuck am I? Another do level. Life. You know, so at 19, um, I know my dad looking down, disappointed with me. Shots, doing, and, um, and again, so that, thinking that, it's normal because that's what we did. That's what my that's friends what did. That, yeah, you know, and uh, I guess I I, I kind of took it maybe to another level. You know, <laughs> I kind of did it too much. Um, you know, and, and it went like on that. You know, went like that for a few years, and and then I remember I was like, you know what. I started to make a little bit of a comeback because, um, you know, I gained a lot of weight, you know, freshman year and, and I was always an athlete. So that wasn't me either. So that kind of played a role in like a little depression. So I kind of made a little bit of a comeback. I, you know, I think I went to Suffolk for, for some classes. I started working out again, started to shed some weight. So I'm like, all right. Um, but un- unfortunately, the drinking was still there. So I think at 22 was my first official rock bottom, you know, uh, drinking and driving like and i did many times blacked out don't remember shit all the thing i remember is like the final impact i ended up hitting like five parked cars but oh shit the the last one was like bam the impact and i came to a stop and it was like waking up from a dream and i remember just looking around being like what the fuck am i doing in my car like what where am i um turns out i was in front of a party that was my brother's friends i wasn't even going there don't know why I, I, i was going that way they heard the crash or came all came running out uh saw me it was like you all right i'm like yeah i'm all right they they, they put it like i looked like a heavyweight fighter that got knocked out but that just kept trying to get up like, like i was just like you know wobbling like no i'm good i'm good blood coming down my head busted up my knee my car it was a brand new jeep i just got didn't move um i still don't know what my brother's friend said to the cops this day because he he took me in the car took me to the hospital um cops ended up coming there um, did not get in trouble. Did not get in, no wow. DUI, no nothing. And what was this? What year? Two thousand two ish. You said you were twenty twenty two. Twenty two. Yeah, I think it was around two thousand two. Around wow. there. Um. So it, it you know is I remember you know still being drunk in the hospital. The the nurse by this time it's like five six in the morning, you know, and she's like, "Did you call anyone?" I'm like, "Nah." I'm like, nah, "I'm all right." She's like, and she's like, "I got work today. Can I?" She's like. You're getting surgery. Like my knee was just fucking all wow. busted. And you up, didn't even know. Nah, I had point. no idea. I'm still. I'm like thinking. Like I, I have work. Today. Yeah, I got work. I got. I was landscaping at the time. I'm like, no, my boss gonna be pissed at me. So I got to go to work. She's like, you're not going to work for a while. It's like, and you like, what to, are you fucking me? I'm not going. Yeah, work for a while. yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, um, stitch me up. Give me the fuck out of here. I had. She's like, I have a son, and if he did this to me, I would like. You need to call your mother and let her know that you're about to go into surgery. That you're here. Blah blah blah. And uh, oh shit. I have to edit that one out. <laughs> um, no, it's all good. Happens um, to the best. We'll so, just zoom in on your face yeah, and we yeah. saw it. <laughs> so, you know, long story short, with that one, ended up getting reconstructive surgery. Um, the first of, of reconstructive surgery due, due to alcohol. 
Um, and this is when the depression and, and the sense of feeling being a failure and all that really hit me because for the first month I'm, I'm in bed, I can't move. Um, start, you know, and then once I was able to, uh, really crutch around and move around, I was already going to bars again with my friends. Um, so didn't really learn my lesson at all. And, um, what was like, what what were you thinking? Like, like, uh, were you just start, you were just being with your friends. Like you didn't even think about the effects of alcohol and what it does. You were just like kind of numb to it. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I think I just didn't really care, you know, like it was just this feeling of like, I don't give a shit about anything, you know, and whatever happens, happens. Yeah. And it, it was, I was trying to tell myself it was normal. You know, because that's what just what we did, I guess, you know, but, you know, deep down, I probably knew it was not right or I might have to something wrong with the drinking and all that, but just really didn't give a shit. And it was like, what were you drinking a lot? Was it just straight beer? Uh, Everything. Beer, liquor, wine. Didn't matter. Like at that point, I was just like, I just like to get drunk. You know, I like to just numb myself. Um, Wow. And, you know, from from 22, you know, for the rest of my 20s, it just got progressively worse and worse and worse and worse like the weight gain got a lot i mean at my worst that was 300 pounds you know so that was um like through through those 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 times and that's you're a big guy you know so i was that's pretty big yeah it was um you know six two and then up to 300 pounds it was it was tough but uh you know that's when the anxiety really kicked in because i I felt it at an early age i around like i probably around 19 or so like i just knew like i didn't feel right i mean i don't know what the fuck's wrong with me and mostly after like a night of drinking um and i just kind of started really planting the seed in my head that like something was wrong with me i'm gonna die young like my dad did fuck it i don't care something's wrong you know it doesn't feel right um you know never went to the doctor um so by mid, my mid-20s man they were like full blown. how's your mother feeling about all this that's going on uh she probably was had probably had a tough time with it i mean there was a few times i think she wanted me to talk to people and me being you know the young stupid kid no fuck that Who, how am i gonna they're not gonna help me they're mm-hmm. not gonna be able to do, bring anyone back they're not gonna be able to fucking you know help me out at all so you know it, it, i feel you know feel bad for you know kind of what i what i put it through but um you know the, the anxiety attacks is what really what really hurt me in my in my twenties and anyone who's who's had a panic attack like you know a, a real panic attack it's not fun yeah. at all man you you think you're dying you know it, it, like it's very same symptoms as heart attack so I mean from my arm going numb to my heart pounding out of my chest to beating so slow where I'm like is this fucking even my pound you know is it even going um just so many times and. and no one knew any of it was going on, man. And most of the time it was when I did something physical and I always did manual labor, you know, work. I, you know, I was an alcoholic, but I was a functioning alcoholic. I always went to work. So I was always doing things. Um, so man, I'd be steady working, digging in a hole. And like on the inside, I'm screaming, holy fuck, I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. And on the outside, nobody knew. no one had any idea, man. It was the mental warfare that went inside my head on a daily basis for, you know, probably say, I would say a better part of a decade where I constantly every day I'm like, well, today's the day, today's the day I'm going to drop dead. I mean, many times alone in my apartment, I'm on the verge of calling 911 and just like, I don't know if there was something in me where it was like embarrassment or kind of the fuck it. And, you know, I, I, I used to call it like, it was like a living suicide. You know, I never contemplated suicide, contemplated suicide. I could never do that to my mother, but it was like, I didn't give a shit what happened. You know, I didn't give a fuck about, you know, I, I didn't want to die, but I didn't really care about living if that makes sense. And, um, 
you know, I think that was. And you just kept it all to yourself. You didn't talk yeah, to anybody, no. like your friend or nobody. No, nah, I still have, you know, since going, you know, reaching out and putting my story on social media and starting my brand and starting my show and all that. I've had people reach out to me that I grew up with. I'm like, man, I had no idea you're going through this. And then, you know, I have a brother who's doing that. Can you think you can talk to him, you know, help him out? Um, but yeah, no, I didn't talk to anyone about this until maybe around 30 or so when I finally got to that point where I'm like, I need, I need help. I can't keep living like this. So what happened from, from, from 22 up until 30, where you said you had this turning point in your life that, yeah, like what was the, the you know, aha what, moment? Because you said that you said twenty two was kind of like that first rock bottom. Was yeah. there? Did it get even worse up until, you know, at the point in th- you said between, around thirty? Between twenty two and thirty, it got a lot worse. Yeah, there was. I mean, so what was the turning point? It was, I would say, and 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 maybe to this day, my most powerful why was like I was just sick of fucking hating myself. I, I was just, I mean, I remember days looking in the mirror, and you know, it was. You know, I've, I've talked about it before. It was almost like it was like an out-of-body experience, man. Like, I'm looking at myself in the mirror, and it was like I was looking at someone, not me, and being like, I fucking hate that guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and that was a powerful thing where I'm like, to really, like, feel it, where you just fucking hate yourself, man. I hate it. You feel everything. like you're looking at a stranger. Yeah, and, and but you hated him, like, the way he was. Like, what, what a fucking loser. Like, what, what has he done with his life? What You know, mm-hmm. and I think that was the, the point where, you know, I say, you know, did you have like a wife or kids or anything by by thirty? I had a uh, I had a girlfriend who uh, funny. I met at around twenty two. I think right after the accident, I met her. Turned out to be my first wife, which <laughs> didn't didn't work out. Um, but yeah, she was with me pretty much from twenty two until thirty four ish. I think when I when I got divorced. Um, from her, did she help? Was she? She tried. Trying? I mean, she just wasn't. You just didn't know how to deal with it? No, yeah. There's probably one no of those idea. scenarios where it's it's tough to help somebody that doesn't want to help themselves. Yeah, I mean, it, it didn't matter who it was. I was not going to... You were shut down yeah, from everybody. No, no one was going to help me. Close the door and, and we're like, don't talk to me. And she was, I mean, she was a very nice girl. She, you know, maybe she's the perfect wife for someone else, but she just, you know, wasn't that person to to kick kick my ass. You know, who, my wife now is a, a Spanish woman. She, she kicked my fucking ass now. <laughs> no, believe <laughs> that. Yeah. Literally, literally and, uh, yeah, and so, you know, uh, uh, um, and, and figuratively. that's probably what I needed. But, um, yeah, so she was there and, you know, and, you know, put through her, her through a lot, you know, many drunken parties, weddings, holidays that I don't even remember how many times I've been drunk and, and you know, blackouts and just horrible horrible messes through that that whole you know 22 to 30 was just, just a shit show pretty much so so tell us about what happened after that moment you had with yourself in the mirror yeah you're 30 years old now and you're like you know you have this moment where you said you, you you're looking at yourself in the mirror almost looking at a stranger and saying you know i hate you what did you, you know, what like, happened you immediately like, oh, yeah, okay, okay what happened immediately after that First thing I did was, uh, and and I just got a county job, so had finally had health insurance. So I was like, <laughs> Thirty years old, finally, yeah, finally, <laughs> finally made it big. Um, so I, I ended up going to the doctor because I'm like something. I really thought you know something was physically wrong with me. Um, so I think going to the doctor and actually first, and that that was when I remember getting on the scale. She's like three hundred. I'm like three hundred. What the fuck, man? All right, so <laughs> that that's definitely got to change. Um, 
And I was telling her what was going on, my symptoms and all that shit. And it basically, it felt like I was having a heart attack. And it was multiple times a day for, you know, for I don't know how many, how long. Um, and I remember just even walking out of that first doctor's visit. It felt like a huge weight just fucking off my shoulders. You know, like ta- just, just ta- like talking to somebody. Just saying, about it. Just yeah, saying it just out loud. Just saying it out loud. And, yeah, yeah. Um, so we ended up going to, you know, the heart doctor. And they do all the tests and the, and, the, and the stress tests. And they hook you up with all these machines and all this shit. And. Um, he's like, other than having high blood pressure, he's like, I don't see anything wrong with you. He's like, and that was the first time they, I heard, you know, them mention anxiety. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. Like, yeah, what, the, what the heck is this? Yeah. yeah anxiety is not going to call. I'm having physical symptoms here. Like to me, like anxiety was like a, maybe a mental thing. I don't know. And, um, so I was kind of like relieved for about 30 seconds. And then I was like, well, how the fuck do I beat this? Then? You yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. anxiety. So ended up and, and i remember he wanted to put me on blood pressure medication and i was like there's no fucking way i'm going on medicaid i'm too young for that shit and i remember going up uh to sign up for a gym that day um and this start, is all the same this is all up. the same day from the mirror to well, the, um, well within no, like within a, yeah within that same yeah time frame you know it's a little hazy because unfortunately i didn't get sober till i was 38 so there was many like the wow. drinking uh you know it was definitely blacking out like i like i mean there's a lot in my 20s i don't even really remember you know even my early 30s where i don't really remember you know shit so like the time frames is hard to like it's all around that same time where i was like all right man this is enough i can't do this anymore um so you know i i ended up going to you know speaking to a therapist um they put me on some medication uh you know like lexapro which you know a minor dosage nothing nothing crazy since she gave me some xanax to get me over that initial because you know lexapro takes a little time to build up in your system um i remember the xanax you know they were small they're not like the fucking things that they have nowadays those big ass fucking bars and all that it was like you know little pills and i think it was like 0.25 or whatever whatever it was and i remember i used to take like four of them before i go to the gym because that was like my biggest fear was dropping dead of a heart attack that i was so out of shape i drank so much that at this point you know doing drugs and and, and coke and and weed and all that shit all the time and i'm like i'm gonna drop dead of a heart attack so that was like my biggest fear and that would cause multiple right. attacks a day so, so was so, your so you, it was your anxiety you built anxiety from thinking that you were going to drop dead every single day yeah that was, like, that was yeah i mean I, I can think myself into a panic attack like that yeah you know, it was like I feel like I'm having like am I having am I yep yep I'm yeah, having yeah. one. No, I, hear I was you. like, I hear um, so it, it it took a little while. I remember the therapist was like, "You take four of them before you go to the gym." I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "How'd that make you feel?" I'm like, "Normal." <laughs> it made me feel fucking normal because it, it like calmed the nerves and I was able to like work out. Um, and and it was still a battle, man. It was still, you know, it, it's hard. You don't just get over the fear like that of mm-hmm. thinking you're gonna drop dead. Um. So I remember this one one particular time, and I remember running on the treble for maybe for like five minutes and had a horrible attack. Like, where I, I'm like, oh, this is it. This is it. Like, I remember hit, I hit the button on the treadmill, quit, walked out of the gym, drove home crying, went to my apartment. I'm like, I have no idea how I'm going to beat this. And where do you think where do you think that derived from, that, that fear of dying? Is it from your father passing away? I believe that play, played a role in it, Where and it was just, for years and years and years, just fucking planting a seed in my head that something was wrong with me, something physically was wrong with me, and then just, just drinking and living that and being yeah, and and just probably the horrible lifestyle and being so out of shape, and then being like, 
uh, I'm going to drop dead. You know, like it was just, that was it, man. It was just so hard to, to overcome that. It's amazing um, how, how, how the mind really works, right? Where it gets to the point powerful. where there was, there was probably, you know, arguably there's, there's nothing wrong. There was physically no. nothing wrong, but you create the scenario in your brain and you tell yourself over and over and over and over and over again that you actually create something. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, there's nothing there, but your mind creates it and makes it a reality. Just like you said, you can think yourself into yeah. a, at that point, you were just thinking and thinking and thinking, and all of a sudden, now it happens. It's like there was nothing wrong before, yeah. but you thought you just kept thinking it and telling yourself, and it works in the negative and the positive oh, yeah. as well, right? My mind is very powerful, and and you know that that particular time, and I remember just sitting in my apartment crying because I'm like, I don't know how I'm gonna get past this, um, and, and then that that was the moment where you know it's what I call today the primal mindset because there there was something in me where I was like, you know what? fuck it i ran five minutes today i'm gonna run fucking six minutes tomorrow and it was just something inside my head where like i'm gonna get better no matter what like and i developed a short memory didn't give a fuck what happened the day before um and it was this mantra i developed that i still use to today man it was just like i wake up today i go today and that was it i wake up today i go today that was it man that that was i've seen that i've seen that in your videos yeah Yeah, i say that like i said that's to this day man i still use it and um you know, from that that day forward, man, it was just that's it. I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna get a little bit better every day, and 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 little by little, man, it was, you know, I was a little bit of weight. I was able to get stronger. I was able to get faster. I was able to just get mentally stronger, mentally, you know, just better, and, and you know, still continuing with the therapist. Um, and, and that, and that that like from that day, man, I just really haven't looked back. And that mindset. That that what I call now when you train your mind and you make meaning of the things that happen, um, that helped me later in life get sober. That that mentality, um, because I mean there's a, there's a from from that when I and and ended up losing like I would say like a quick fifty to sixty pounds in like two months. Wow! Because I went from like one extreme to the other. Like I was going to the gym every day. Yeah. I was going. I was like this trainer gave me this um um meal plan like you know and. It wasn't measuring shit. Basically, it was just eat, eat healthy. Yeah, it's, just, yeah, it's, know, it's like, amazing. Like the first, you know, those yeah. first, especially if, you know, when you get to the point where it's that big, you know, like when yeah. you're, you're 300 pounds or six, yeah. that's big. It's a big, big dude. And obviously, yeah. you're not, you know, 300 pounds like Ronnie Coleman, 300 pounds. No, or, no, you know, it, was, yeah, it, was, it was like 300 pounds of, of fat. Not, so not like, solid. Right. Not so solid. that first, that <laughs> first 50 come, comes off probably oh, yeah. really quick. So it, it, that happened quick. And, and that, that really, that gave me a lot of confidence, man. That's when I really started being yeah, like, all right, man, like, I, shit, I can yeah. fucking do this, you know? And, um, that, that, like I said, that mindset was able to get me sober, you know, eight years later, whatever it was. Um, how did you transition that mindset into to alcoholism? It was, um, you know, and, and like I said, there was a lot of shit that happened from that to, you know, my, I got divorced or I should say with, I got married and divorced in that and then got remarried again. Um, Right before I got sober, um, you know, almost fucked up on that honeymoon. You know, it was it was not good. And yeah. then, uh, the, you know, the last you know shit show it was uh, December twenty fourth, two thousand seventeen. So you know, December twenty fifth, Christmas Day is my my sober date, and I'm never losing that. Wow. You know, so you know, again, just you know, holidays where I just kept drinking. You know, sneaking. That's a, that's it. a special day. Yeah. Know, you celebrate Christmas. Yeah. You know, it's a big holiday, but it's also a, you know a personal day, and it's yeah, something yeah. To always you know it's yeah. a good easy number to remember every year. Christmas miracle every year, I say. Yeah, so uh, you know, at this point, it was I was at the point where I was like you know drink one, sneak three. 
drink one, sneak three. So to them, it's like, oh, he's not drinking that much. Um, so again, don't don't really remember too much. And you know, we we're at my brother's house in Connecticut. Drove home back to Long Island. We were living in Plainview at the time. You know, obviously I couldn't drive. I think I tried to drive and drove a little bit. And they realized, hey, you get the fuck like his. It was one of those where like. I would take hard liquor and just drink it. And then it was like, it would hit you like all of a sudden, maybe a little bit later or whatever yeah. it was. And you're sitting down for like a couple hours and you yeah. get up and you're like, Oh, now it fucking hits. So, um, you know, they, my wife ended up having to drive home. I'm in, I'm in the backseat passed out. Um, you know, and I always like to be honest with people. So, you know, I pissed myself for the fucking hundredth million time. You know what wow. I mean? You know, pissed myself in the backseat of a car. Um, Went home, don't remember really. Woke up the next day. It was Christmas morning. She actually worked. Um, she came home from work. Get out. That was it. You know, we just got married in that August. You wow. know, so you're looking six at months. A, yeah, not, you know, whatever it was. And I remember leaving, um, you know, leaving, going to a hotel. On Christmas Day. Christmas Day. Leaving, going to a hotel room, eating Burger King because it was the only thing open. You know, and then that was that uh, another moment in, in, in my life again where I'm like looking in the mirror. I'm like, am I going to settle for a, a life of misery? Am I going to end up dead because I just can't stop drinking? I'm going to drink and drive and, and kill myself or someone else and be in jail the rest of my life. And, yeah, you're probably looking at yourself saying like, listen, is it, you know, am I, am I really going to let this yeah. rule my life? Like this little thing, yeah. this insignificant poison, am yep. I going to let this rule me or am i going to do something make a change and overcome like yeah you know it gets to that point that, that, where you're sitting was, like the grand scheme is like me human being versus yeah, this yeah. like who's gonna win yeah right and i was said fuck you you're not winning and and you know i went to the to the rooms of aa which um you know forever grateful and you know they open you with open arms you know and and you know, they always can tell when someone, I remember a guy said, he's like, no one comes in here on a winning streak. So they know when someone's coming yeah. in that, you know, it, it needs it. And, um, yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to put it. Like, you know, yeah. I, I kind of, to help others that if they're in a, a situation like that, to realize like, listen, don't, you're not going there, you know, on a good note. Yeah. Right? Everybody's like kind of scared to yeah, go yeah. to you, something like you, this. You're scared. You're embarrassed. You like, think like, um, you know, whatever, man, just people just don't want to do it. So, you know, I did it and, and you almost think people are going to judge you too. Yeah. yeah right. And you know, like, like I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be the worst one. It's like, yeah. really everybody Dude, you here hear stories like, like, Oh yeah, I did that. Uh, you hear another story. Yep. I did that too. You hear another story. Oh yeah. Yeah. Been there. Yeah. There's some, it's kind of funny. Like powerful that. when, when you hear other, it's, I, I look at it like when you're in a room full of people and no one wants to ask a question and then one person asks a question, and then yeah. 10 other people yeah, ask and questions. And everyone yeah. starts asking yeah. questions. It's like yeah, a, yeah. A, a, something about like the comfortability of knowing other yeah. people feel or think the same way as you. So feel, yeah. I guess, better about yourself. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, too, how how the mind plays tricks. The mind will, will convince you and play tricks on you. And what I mean by that is, you know, you were probably sitting there saying, like, none of these people know what I've gone right. through. None of these people are going to accept me. They don't understand. And, like, your mind will convince yeah. you that the people in AA that have had problems with alcohol yeah. the rest the reason they're there aren't going to understand your situation or yeah. aren't going to have done what you've done it's like your mind will tell you that and you're like wait a second you have to overcome that it's like no they all have been yeah, yeah. probably done worse than i have and it's like it's, uh they, they say that's your ego you know right playing tricks on you is thinking that you know you're, you're you're the only person that's been through that and um you know that and no one like 
hearing all these sayings and shit like that. And, you know, I understand A is not for everyone. And I was, you know, with it for the first two or three years. I, and then when COVID hit, I, I did Zooms and I never really kind of went back because what, what it did teach me is about camaraderie, um, about having a support system. Um, you know, and then, like like I said, one of the sayings they, they preached, ODAT, you know, one day at a time. And I remember hearing that and being like, fuck, dude, I know that. I wake up today, I go today, man. I don't drink today. And that was just like that mindset I had, you know, from that day forward going into AA. And I was like, I mean, I haven't touched a drink since. Um, and how long has it been? Six years now. Six years. Yeah. But I think what's a Thank good you. point is that, you know, you had said that AA is like you had started it right. And then you went through uh, a couple of Zoom sessions. And now um, you said that you don't do it anymore. However, you started it and took away and learned right. what you needed to right. in order to because some people need right. to go every single which day I, I understand that which is fine There's people who've been sober 30 years that still go that all the still time go. And, and and that's fine with them and uh, another thing that stayed with me as someone said in there is like listen AA is not for everyone you take what you want and you leave the rest of it mm -hmm. and and that's what and that's what i did you know and i was like you know what let me let me start my own you know community my own you know gp right. nation my and being part of ngbn that we you know talked a little bit before man you have camaraderie you have support system whether it's alcoholism you know addiction whatever and and you know mental health whatever it is man you're not alone you know as men like we're here for you we've been through it you know and that you know that's kind of like what i took from it but yeah i, I feel, think another thing too is sorry eric uh um that people don't realize, especially men, right? Because being a man, there's this stigma bravado. of, yeah, yeah, a bravado that you need to be the tough guy yeah. and suppress your emotions, right? And and you need to be the you need to be the one that that mm -hmm. that goes to battle and fights. And there's nothing wrong with you know. Obviously, I, I, there's I believe in being a man's no, man, a right? Good, a good strong male. Presence. I believe in that. Yeah. But what I'm getting at is there's something that. It's almost innate that men have a difficulty asking for help yeah. when there is something wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right? well, no. Ask directions. Nah, I'm not no, asking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like something simple, right? Oh, but when, right and then when you have it, that's, yeah. that's something simple. But when yeah. you have a serious problem, yeah. Yeah. there's this whole ego thing where you know uh, I'm not going to ask for help. Nobody, I don't need help. Mm -hmm. It's like there's nothing wrong with nah. asking it, and and people don't realize that all you have to do is ask. Yeah. Just go out. If you know, seek and ye shall find. If you seek the help. There's people out there that are willing, more than willing to help. Oh yeah, and, and like you said, in, so, in some yep. cases, if if there's the support group and you need to go every single day in order to stay on track, then great. But if you need to go, learn what you need to learn, and then you you remove yourself, but you're still on track, then it was a success. Yeah, and yeah. the AA was a success. Yeah, yeah, to me, it was. It was 100 percent success. And like I said, I'm always for, forever grateful for AA because if I didn't walk into, I mean, and and. You know, I, even through my 20s, you know, I I did a few uh, outpatient rehabs and it was mostly just to appease other people. Mm -hmm. You know, it was never really for me. Sure. So I, I did, you know, dabble with, with that and, and did try some AA meetings and then I just went and that was it. And, you know, it was more to shut other people yeah, up. Yeah, it was more. I did to, it. I to, did to it. Show yeah. The, so it was more for the wrong reason. It was for the wrong reason. Like, oh, I'm trying. And then going. You're like, I wasn't. Drink, really, or yeah. I'd smoke weed in the parking lot and then walk into, the, you know, it was just. You know that that type of shit, but um, so now you're six years sober from everything. Yeah, I'm, I don't touch anything except I, for cigars. Which so are, cigars is always good. So where did cigars come into play? Cigars, it was man, my my grandfather was in the cigar business for probably like sixty years or so. Really? Wow. Yeah. What was he um, doing? He worked for Camacho. He oh, was, oh no, shit. yeah, okay. he was um 
I believe in I now owned you told, by. I think you told me that. Yeah. Now yeah. is it owned by Davidoff? Yeah, yes. they sold the Davidoff. That's a whole thing where they, he did not get what he was supposed to get. But I'm not going to oh, get into that. No. Yeah, it was. Oh, um, he basically the the owner of uh, Camacho is from Honduras, which is funny. That's where my wife's from. Um, <laughs> he was from Honduras. Um, they have you know tobacco fields in Honduras, and then so my grandfather you know worked with him, you know built up the company and. Because he was like, you know, like I said, in the cigar business for I don't know how, you know, 60 up until he pretty much passed away. Um, and he was, you know, in his 80s. He um, he knew like so many, like back then the sales, you, you know, you drive and, and do sales calls. And like, yeah, you know, like any yeah, little yeah. bodega in like Pennsylvania, he's like, yeah, I know that spot. Let's go over there. And, and yep, people yep, would yep. know who he was. So he, like the guy knew, my grandfather knew a lot of, you know, people. And, and you know, he, he built up the, the, uh, the business. He, the guy wanted to get his son involved in it. So he had my grandfather basically teach his son everything um, about the business. And then when it when it did come time to to sell it, they sold it to Davidorf. It was, uh, yeah, it was, I don't want, you know. That's he, a story yeah, for another that, day. A story whole, for another off day. Table, off, off table. Off table. Yeah, whole, whole so he, he was the one who got you into smoking cigars? So, yeah, I mean, it was just always in my family. Like all my uncle, you know, I have, you know, my, my dad w- was the oldest. Um, and then he had one, two, three, four brothers and a sister. So, you know, growing up, like ev- everyone smokes cigars. You yeah. know, that's what it was. So even, you know, even in high school, I remember my high school graduation, you know, give it a cigar. We smoked cigars. Hell yeah. I went to college. They gave me, um, my uncle gave me cigars to bring, which my, my uncle, uh, my grandfather named Baccarat. He named that. No. And, uh, okay. We had the La Fontanas. We had. The cigars that was after you yeah that was no you know, way um that's awesome man. so i brought to, i went to college and brought la fontanas for my roommates so my nickname through college was la they called me la they just <laughs> called you la yeah like they're like yo there's la la fontana and so everyone knew me as la well how is it in 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 college being like a cigar smoker yeah because i got a funny story about me yeah <laughs> but I yeah it wasn't uh it wasn't too big, you know, like, cause you know, then everyone's smoking blunts and shit. Right. Like that, uh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody's know. smoking weed, not smoking cigars. Yeah. So like, you, you know, it was, it wouldn't really smoke too much in college. It was mostly when I, you know, was home, whatever. And or def- in college, you're smoking like Swisher sweets and yeah, shit. You know? yeah, it was, it was, it was different ones. Um, but yeah, mostly at home, you know, family parties, obviously we always smoke cigars and, and, you know, so I just always loved smoking cigars. Cause I remember in being in college, I, that's kind of when I, I had started smoking cigars, you know, 15, 16 is when I had my first one. But then it was occasional. Right, it wasn't right, it wasn't right. like it is now where yeah. it's a, we have our own brand, yeah. right? But I remember being in college and it was towards, I was there for five, five and a half years. And the last, the later, after I stopped playing basketball, like the last year and a half, I kind of really started smoking cigars. That's when I had a nice humidor and I started yeah. smoking it, right? And um, I remember one time being out. I had this little patio right outside my apartment, and uh, it'd be like a Friday night or something. I'm like, you know what? I don't, I'm not going out. You know, it's the nice night. You know, I have whatever. I'm, I got a game tomorrow morning because I was still playing in rec leagues. I'm like, I'm yeah. just gonna. So I'd go out on the balcony, right, and I'd have I have a cigar, and I'd be in the overlooking like the courtyard, and there'd be all the college kids just hammered, yeah. right? And they're just <laughs> walking over like this, and they're all looking up at me like. Who the fuck is this kid? Yeah, yeah. Like, who do you think you are on a Friday night? You're having a cigar on the yeah. patio, listening to listening to Frank Sinatra. Like, who yeah, yeah, the fuck yeah. is this? Guy? And I could, you could just. They didn't have to say it, but you yeah, can yeah, see yeah. You the can look. They were saying it. They yeah. were saying it. I'm, I'm saying it. I'm just yeah. sitting there, my feet up on the balcony, yeah. and they're like, "Who the fuck is this kid?" Yeah. 
That's funny. And so where and then when did you start your brand Go Primal? So that and what is that about? That win is uh when COVID hit. That you know, I was working a lot, working you know, a few jobs. My my son, you know, and, and it wasn't a coincidence I got sober, you know, December, you know, twenty fifth, two thousand seventeen, I was sober. Um three, four months later, whatever, my wife told me she was pregnant with, with our first kid. Wow. Um, so when did, when did you, so you left it, you left Christmas Day, and then yeah. when did you move back in? I can't remember. Um, it wasn't too long, you know, because obviously I, I, you know, went to AA right away. Um, many nights sleeping in my car, you know, it was it was not, not fun. Um, you know, I came maybe a week or so week or two maybe a couple of weeks and then did, did your wife know did you tell her like listen i'm i'm clean I'm yeah yeah I, you know i was i was told her i was going to meetings you know i was you know i was gonna do it there's no way in hell i'm, I'm gonna drink again um and then four months later four months later I, it was actually on father's day she told me no um, shit. yeah that that she's pregnant like i remember we went on a fishing trip on a fishing boat we came back and like my stepson um Gave me a, a card and like I forgot. I think I opened it up and then it was like a pregnancy test in there. I'm like, oh shit, you know. <laughs> they have a video of it. I started breaking down. It was um, so that was that was. was good. And this was your first kid. Yeah, yeah, my first kid. He's five now. Um, so he uh, I hit a year sober. He was born a few weeks later. He was born in January. I hit a year sober. Um, you know, 2018 December 25th. He was born January 16th, 2019. Um, so I went like a whole year. He was, he was born. I worked a lot, you know, I worked two jobs. So there was times I'd go like two, three days without seeing him, you know, cause I'd leave early, come home late. Um, so when COVID hit, you know, it's, and you know, I am always careful cause I know people lost people during COVID and, and stuff like that. But to me, I was like, man, this is, I had to make meaning of it. And it was probably one of the best things cause I was home, you know, thank, I mean, thank God I was lucky where my County job, I was still getting paid. So it mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, I worked in a restaurant, so obviously I was, you know, shut down, wasn't getting paid from them, but at least I was able to, um, you know, still get paid from the County. My wife was still working cause she's, you know, in the food industry where it was like, a, um, a, a basically a deli. So they never shut down really. Yeah. Um, it was a uh, central, right? Yeah. Central. So <clears throat> she was able to keep working. Um, so I was home every day with my son. You know, man, I was fucking loving it, cooking yeah. it, cooking food. We were going on walks. It was it was great. Smoking um, cigars. Yeah. He's like three years old. Here, I have this. Come on, yeah, yeah. come on, come on. So, <laughs> you know, there was and that and that was when I was like, you know what, man, look, look where I was. Look where I am now. You know, like I have something here. I don't know what it is, but there's something I need to do with this. Um, and I really had no idea, you know, college dropout, don't know shit about anything else. So I was like, you know, what? let me just put my story on social media. Um, so I ended up putting it on, 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 and I was not a social media guy. I don't, I mean, even to this day, like I, I do it, I understand it, you know, and, and I got, I got better at talking. So I, I, I don't mind it as much, but like back then I was like, I fucking hate it. I don't like talking. Yeah. I don't, you know. I imagine the more, the more that you, like you said, the first time that you went into the, into the doctors and you were talking about some of yeah. this, this, these troubles that you were having it was probably very, very difficult, Oh yeah. but it's a weight lifted. But I imagine oh, yeah. that the more that you talk about it like each and every time that you tell your story it probably gets a little bit like a oh, little yeah. bit more comfortable it's, a little it's bit more like, comfortable gets easier and and it's it feels good because i know i'm helping people right so like i i mean obviously now like if you told me back then i was gonna have a show and be on uh, but get the fuck out of here no you probably didn't think you'd even show. be alive no yeah so um <laughs> You know, so that that was I, like I said, I put it on social media, and and this guy on LinkedIn who's who's still with me to this day, he was a marketing uh, guy. You know, 
said, you know, you got a good story. What are you doing with it? I'm like, I have no fucking idea what I'm doing with it. Uh, you know, I got like, what do you, what do you mean? Yeah. yeah like, I, I, I don't know. I did it. That's what I'm doing with it. I so did it. <laughs> he was like, I, you know, and so I'm sorry. So when you say you started putting your, your story on social media, where you were just, you were just talking about what happened to Pretty you? Pretty much. Yeah. What, what, what I'm, you know, talking about now and I kind of where I was and, and then the mental warfare with the anxiety. Cause, and, and again, I'm always careful how I say this and maybe it's just cause the way my story played out, getting over the anxiety and the fear of, of dying was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. Yeah, because that's know, a mental battle. Yeah, so that the I, physical battles, the physical easier. battle was easy, and, and I think it just got me, like I said, mentally, you might train my mind to later on get sober, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I know how that how hard that is for people, but the way my story went, and you know, getting over that was the hardest thing. So I'm like, I, I think I can help people with that because, like, the physical, you know, the physical thing, it's it's, you know, especially like you think about the workout. I, okay, granted, the workout is only like an hour. Okay. Yeah out of your 24 hours and it's yeah. not so much what you do in the gym it's what you do out of the gym right. right all the stuff that you're eating right but you eat okay let's say you eat five times a day it takes you 10 minutes to eat food 15 minutes to eat food so that's okay let's call that an hour or so and then another hour in the gym so it's really only two hours yeah. that you really need to be dedicated okay yeah. and i grant granted there's no snacking and all that stuff but yeah. the mental is all 24/7. day long 24/7. inside your brain all day long battling there's nothing worse than laying in your bed and not sleeping and yeah. just having sitting there all day long thoughts, going, there thinking going. oh i'm gonna die right now what the fuck's going on oh something feels yeah. no, oh sh- and that, that's that gotta be like that's that. gotta be the toughest battle was, uh, there is i always call it man it was a mental warfare inside my head for for a long time you Most know definitely. and so that that was you know i think the uh maybe the bigger part of my part of my story and um you know, I and for some reason I always had in my head to call something stay stronger. You know, have like shirts or have T-shirts and whatever it was and, and apparel. So I told him, and he was like, "Ah, all right, maybe, maybe we'll come up with something else." And you know, he, he yeah, that's commonly used, yeah, right? Be stronger, know, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, he gave me this like all these questionnaire type things because you know he's a marketing guy. He's like, "There's a science to it and all this." Me, I'm like, "All right, whatever, man. I don't know, whatever it is." <laughs> so I, you know, I answer all the questions, and we and he comes back to me, and he's like. Uh, what do you think of Go Primal? And I was like, do I immediately thought of me back in that apartment when when like I had that when I'm like fuck this uh, I see something like it just reminded me of a, like a lion on a hunt. Yeah, he sees something he needs out of necessity and, and it's not gonna stop till he gets it. And, and that was me in that apartment. I'm like, dude, fuck! I see who I'm supposed to be, who I'm gonna be, who, I, who I'm I, I'm meant to be, and I'm not gonna stop until I get it. So I was like, dude, I fucking I love it, Go Primal, and then. You know, we messed around with the logo and we went back and forth and, you know, I get pretty particular with shit. So it took a little while, but yeah. <laughs> he, um, he came up with the logo and I was like, you know, like, all right, man, let's do it. And so I put it on apparel because I just thought it's the only way to really get get it out there. I didn't, you know, know. And I'm thinking it's going to fly off the shelf. This is going to be sick, man. You know, people are going to be like, yo, I'm, I'm going to buy it. I'm, I'm going to do good. And nothing you know no one knows. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> just like oh how everyone else thought yeah yeah so. i got this great idea everyone's gonna love it yeah here crickets crickets and, where's uh, everybody at <laughs> so it was you know that that i think i you know went went with that for a little bit and then you know someone went, told me it was like listen man go primal the brand is, is you you know you're the brand you know talk about you more talk, you know stop yeah. being like you're in a apparel band no it's, it's a brand it's you sure. you know it's, it's more of a mindset it's a lifestyle because um, people don't people don't buy the brand they buy what the brand right. represents yeah. right like if it wasn't you it would just be a shirt that says go primal right. on it and you know 
you come out with a sick design, man, people might buy it, but then they're just going to go to the next good design, yeah, you know, yeah. they, they, but when they latch on to the brand. And so when I started doing that, I think that kind of gave me the idea to maybe start a show, you know, to, you know, and then again on LinkedIn, the, the CEO of NGBN reached out to me, um, NG- which is remind us again, NGBN, 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 National Gra- Grassroots Broadcasting Network, National Grassroots yeah. Broadcasting Network, Me- okay. men's network focusing on the mental health for the midlife man. Um, so he, he said he's going to start this network. You know, would I be interested in it? And like we talked about before, you hear all these people saying shit like, oh, I got this. Yeah. All right. I'm yeah, going right. to do this. I'm yeah. going to do that. I'm gonna do it's this. the next best thing. Yeah. It's, it's going to be it's going to be bigger than Netflix. Yeah. You know? OK. <laughs> so me being like, all right, man, you know, anything. And, and that's when I found out about, you know, the highest suicide rate within, you know, the midlife man. Which you know I've I've I fell into and yeah go, um, can, you, can you explain a little bit or unpack that a little bit as people say yeah that, so so 40s 50s and 60s is you know usually the midlife or so they well they call the midlife man um, and I think a lot of it has to do with what we were talking about before where like when you're a man you think you have to be so strong you know you think you have to be the man of the family the head of the family you think you have to have everything under control you think you have to have everything like figured out you know and a lot of men don't you know and they don't know what to do with it and you know unfortunately they you know end up committing suicide or or even statistics with you know guys who get divorced you know they're out of shape you know they don't know what to do they don't know how to date nowadays everything's a fucking app and all this shit and like people get depressed and and so unfortunately i think you know they they end up taking their lives and um, i've been been hearing so much in the last like especially since covid but even right before COVID so much about like male mental health and like, yeah. you know, how it's a, how it's an epidemic in itself. Just cause like we've been saying, you know, our parents grew up with like, you know, you just take it on the chin and yeah. you just, or at least our fathers, yeah. right? Rub some dirt on yeah, it. You get rub the some fuck dirt up, on you know, and you, and and you move on with the next day. Like, in, yeah. you know, Tony Soprano says in the Sopranos, like what happened to the Gary Cooper types? And I think there's also like the, the nowadays too, they're always talking about this whole, you know, toxic masculinity yeah. thing, which, I don't agree with, and I don't want to go down that whole yeah, rabbit know, hole, I, I'm, right? I'm with you on that one, right? Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't. Agree. But you know, when you're hearing it from all these different things, people, you might start questioning, like, well, maybe I am toxic, right? You know, maybe I shouldn't be doing it. It's like, no, yeah. So that probably could play into a role too, is yeah. if if you're. Let me, let me say this: there's always been bravado guys over the top. And you just think, oh, that guy's an ass. That guy's yeah, a jerk off. That guy's you know? a fucking ass. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I'm not thinking, oh, he's toxic yeah. and masculine. Right, his his right. masculinity is so toxic. I'm yeah. like, no, this guy's a jerk off. Yeah, like, the know? guy's an asshole. Yeah. I, don't, I don't hang out yeah, with him. Yeah, simple you know, as that. Yeah. Come on, you know? and, and, there's not, and there's nothing, you know, like you had mentioned too, it's like, okay, the whole idea, you know, just rub some dirt on it. Come on, get yeah. up, right? There's certain, to an extent, like, you know, that's oh, yeah. that's good where you're younger, toughens you up yeah. a little bit, right? Yeah. And the little things, you don't let them bother you. But then there's some things that, you know, you can't just rub dirt on it. Right, right. Okay? Yeah. You know, there's some things that you might want to ask for some help or right. it's okay to feel a certain way. Sure. Right? A lot of people say, no, you, you can't show emotion. You can't uh, feel that way. And we had talked about it previously on, on another episode where I said sometimes it's okay to learn how to suppress emotions mm-hmm. for certain reasons, right? Okay, in the business world, if you're in a big negotiation, you need being able to know how to not let the other person right. know what you're thinking right. or know what you're feeling, yeah. especially in sports. You played sports, right? You played yeah. basketball. Yeah. Learning how to suppress your frustration and anger and not let the other team know that you're pissed off or you're frustrated because if they know that, then they're just going to oh, fucking yeah. get on. keep going. They're going to keep yeah, digging, yeah. right? But yeah. then on the other side is sometimes it's okay to feel frustrated. Yeah. And sometimes it's okay 
to let it out. Sometimes you things might build up and and they're like, oh, I I, I got I. It's okay. Yeah. Like that's why you know there's people that there's a culture out there. There's there's a, a group and there's people that are willing to help you. You know, especially that's why it's so important that if you have a significant other to both be on the same wavelength. Mm-hmm. Where if you're one day feeling super stressed out and super. It's okay. Yeah. They're, they're there to pick you up and say, listen, it's fine. Like, we're going to get this through. And vice versa. When they're feeling super stressed out, you're there to pick them up. And that's yeah. what the beauty of, of, of having these people and having this uh, camaraderie that yeah, you yeah. said. Yeah, I, 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 was, I used to be the same way. Like, my family, everything was always surface-level conversations. We never really sat down and talked about feelings yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and stuff. Like, every once in a while, there would be a conversation. I would feel super uncomfortable. But... You know, I always suppressed everything and until I met my wife, who was the complete opposite. Her family was open about everything. If they had an issue, it was done right then and there and everyone knew how they felt. So as I was starting as I was dating my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, but she was like, You can't suppress everything. Yeah. Like, you can't keep exploding and it's not good. Like it's okay to talk. She's like, I always see you're like trying to hold back tears and you know, you can tell me that you're sad or you're scared. And I'm yeah. like, I'm like, nah, I'm yeah, not yeah. fucking doing that. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm a complete softy. I started yeah. crying at commercials. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bro. I'm like, look at commercials. I'm like, why am I, why yeah. am I feeling a tear coming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, right I'm, dude, I feel you a hundred percent, dude. Yeah. And it's, it's actually, it's, it's interesting too. Cause the more that you suppress it and the more that you just kind of, ah, it's, I'm just going to, I'm just going to suck this one up. It builds. Oh, yeah. It builds and builds. And especially, you know, if there's little, you know, you're going to get into little arguments and there's little things that happen, right? And if you if you don't nip it in the bud immediately and you just suppress it, okay, on to the next one. Yeah, then yeah. there's going to be another little thing yeah, you suppress yeah. and then another little yeah. thing. And, and then, it's, and then it's the explosion. straw that broke the yeah. camel's back yeah. and you just explode. Yeah. And then now it's, you know, you made a right on red when you shouldn't have made a right on red. And now you're you're t- talking about how you're fucking pissed off at each other. And I'm going to move out and this, yeah, that. Yeah, and, yeah. and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, but it's the culmination of all these things when you could have just nipped it in the butt and none of this would have happened. Because 99% of the arguments that you get into are, are pointless. Oh, they're, they're, stupid. Just, they're stupid. stupid they're shit. so stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, man. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. It's, it's funny, you know. Feelings and expressing yourself is 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 a funny thing. Yeah, right? you do, you do feel better after you say it, and it does. For someone who doesn't do that often, you know, it's hard to get used to. Now yeah. I'm, I'm more used to it. I still suppress some things. Yeah, every yeah, now and yeah. Then. It's learning and growing. Man. But you know, yeah, I looked at it as part always of be, part of being a man. That's it, and that's actually a very good point too, because I, I think it's even more uh, of a, a manly a manly thing when you yeah. can talk about things like that and not have it, you know. Because people will perceive it as being weak. Oh, you're crying. You're yeah. talking about your emotions. You're like, no, I'm comfortable to talk about yeah. my emotions. I'm and I'm not as fuck who I am. Yeah, exactly. Tell I you how sh- I feel, and that shit made me cry. All right, so. exactly. <laughs> I was watching a movie the other night. Yeah. Last night we we're watching a movie. I'm watching uh, uh, every uh, what was it? Everything, everywhere, all at once. You see that movie? No. Nah. Uh, I was with um, two Asian actors. I think actually one of them was the the guy from Indiana Jones. No more parachutes. Oh, yeah. I think he's grown up now. Yeah. And he, and then there's a very famous uh, Asian actor. I can't remember actress. Can't remember name. Doesn't matter watching this movie and towards the end of the movie and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, you could feel it coming. Yeah. I go to my wife. It's like, I'm not crying. You're crying. I'm not crying. You're crying. It's just <laughs> yeah. like, but you can feel it coming and you're yeah. like, yeah, so what? It's an emotional movie. It's a sad movie. My whole, life, my whole life, I've never seen my dad. Well, now I have, but growing up, my dad was always the stoic, you know, never cried, always cool, calm, cool and collected, always knew what to do. So, I'm like, damn, how am I going to live up to this? Like, yeah. you know, my dad oh, never cracked under pressure, always had the answers. And then I remember, like, one day we were at a bar with my two brothers, and I lived in Connecticut, and uh, 
you know, he was talking like Donald Trump just got elected and he was talking about how close he is with his family and how he related it to us. And he was like starting, he had a couple, he had a couple yeah, adult yeah. beverages, but a couple belts in them. There. I mean, I remember my brothers were like, yo, dad's fucking crying right now. Like, this yeah. is crazy. I'm like, <laughs> You're like, what? That's this is like, like a, saw whole, a unicorn, <laughs> a whole new world for me. I'm like, all right. You know, he is human. He yeah. is, you know, <laughs> holy shit. It, yeah. it was crazy. It was crazy. But, you know, and that, you know, uh, He's gotten softer over the years. I'm sure when he has his first grandkid, and you know, in the next couple of months, he'll uh, get oh, yeah. extremely soft. Yeah. But oh, yeah. I, I understand some of the, a lot of the things that you say about you know suppressing uh, you know feelings and thoughts and stuff like that. So it's, but it's very true. You you can't do it by yourself. You'll never do it by yourself. Right. You always have to have some kind of outlet, whether it's a person, whether you're working out, or even if you write it down and journal, it's some way to yeah, alleviate just, that. just to get it out out of your head. You know, yeah. it, it just it, like you were saying, man, it'll build up. I mean, I know for a fact I did it. I let shit built up for years, you know, since I was 13, pretty much. Yeah. Of, of everything. Um, and, and I then, think another important thing, too, is that it's humans are not meant to be in isolation. And I think this goes along with the camaraderie is that there's yeah. always there's how many people on this planet? Seven billion, eight billion people on this planet. You're telling me that there's nobody out there that either, you know, Let's say you're you're alone and you're feeling lonely and depressed. There's nobody out there that's going to be your friend. There's nobody out there that can relate to you and can help you in your time. There's nobody out there that's been through it. Mm-hmm. There's some. So just ask. Go someplace. Just go for a walk. Walk. We say it all the time with the cigar lounge. I'm like, listen, cigars are a great way to meet yeah. people. Cigars are a great way to relax, relieve stress, to meet with other people, to create friendships. So if you're feeling lonely, depressed, you don't know what to do. Go to a cigar lounge. Yeah, yeah. Even if you've never been there before, go in, ask person, hey, I've never done this before. Yeah. Can you recommend me a cigar? Oh, no problem. Here, yeah. sit down to somebody. Next thing you know, you're going to have a conversation for two hours. Oh, yeah. 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 I find, uh, for me personally, I find a lot of stuff when a lot of things are building up in your brain and you start overthinking, like, you know, you know, once you start, you have a thought and then it has an, you have an inkling and then it goes down and you go down a rabbit hole where this completely false scenario is going to happen. You like I said, when I lay down sometimes, I'm like, oh fuck, if I do this, and, yeah, fuck yeah. It. and I'm like, all right, and all you're right. spiraling, and I'm like, all right, all right, listen, it's not bad. There's harder things in life. You just like goes back to the mental. You just have to tell yourself that it's either not real, it's not going to happen that way. You can figure it out. You can do better. And then after like five minutes of doing it, you're like, huh, all right, on to the next thing. I feel a lot better. What, yeah, do, yeah. what, what do we got to do? Yeah. And like ninety percent of the shit that you think. Is like you'll create these things that are going to happen, yeah, all these they, worst they case scenarios. Happen. I'm like, that's never going to yeah. happen. Oh, and yeah. even if it does happen, right? Like, for instance, you could be at work and it's like, I got this, you know, I got to go meet this customer. What happens if they don't like me? What happens if they say this? What happens if they say that? It's like, okay, go through each one of those. What happens if they yell in your face? Are you going to die? Are you, uh, is, is the end of the world going to happen? Is the, is, the, is hell going <laughs> to freeze? No, they're going to yell at you and make, Okay, yeah. and then you're gonna walk out, and you're like, "I'm in the same position I'm in now." I yeah. think, and that's a, never gonna happen. I'm, I think I'm, I'm, I'm never gonna see that asshole again anyway. Yeah. So fuck him. Man. You create this yeah. scenario, like, "Oh my god, what if this happens?" You're like, okay, what if that does happen? So, but the chances are that it's not. That's not how it's gonna go, and I, it never goes that I way. I think yeah, of uh, <laughs> you know Long Island, local Island, Long Island local Sal Valentinetti when he went on American. What is it? Americans Got Talent. For the first time, and he's with the guy Big Time Tommy, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, what happens if Simon says something?" Uh, he's like. He's a person in a chair. What yeah. is he gonna do to you? Yeah. Oh, big whoop! But yeah. I'm like, I'm like, that, that's so. Uh, you can relate that to everything. He's a yeah. person in a chair, and it's only words. And we say a lot of times, like you, you don't have to allow what is coming to you, whether it's being verbal, mainly affect you. 
you have that power to say, mm. hey, you're an asshole. Yeah. You can believe you're an asshole or you can be like, this guy's an asshole. I'm not a fucking asshole. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, and, everyone has know? choices, man. And, you know, I always say, man, it, it's okay. Like, it's normal to have emotions. You're going to have emotions. You're yeah, it's, a, it's chemical. Upset, whatever the fuck it is, you're going to have an emotion. The, it's a chemical minute, thing in your body. you let it turn into a feeling, that that's going to be an issue because mm. then it's going to affect you and you let it. Stay with you for a day, a week, a month, whatever it is, man. So, 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 say that again. You said the you have an emotion, but the minute you make it into a feeling, is that that's when you that's when it's a problem. You know what I mean? Like, cause you like, I guess that man. I and listen, I still get mad. I still fucking get pissed off. And like, but I can get over shit real quickly. You know what I mean? Like, same thing with being sad. It's like, all right, I wake up today. I go today. Mm -hmm. All right, now here we go. I'm gonna try to be you know the best I can be for the ones that need me the most today. And, you know, the minute you, like I said, you make it a feeling and that turns into days, into weeks, into months, whatever it is, man, it affects your decisions, whether it's business, personal life, it's, it's going to affect you. Yeah. So it's, it's all right to have an emotion, man. Just don't let it turn into that feeling. Do you, mm. For Go Primal, like do, you, do you do like um, public speaking or you speak to crowds of... Um, it's fun. Are you speaking to a crowd right now? Yeah. Well, that, <laughs> besides, besides on the Burn Down podcast. Uh, I, it's something I dev- I've done like... Uh, uh, through NGBN, we did like men men conferences like via Zoom. Um, I did speak at a, a Kiwanis dinner about a month ago or so, but it's definitely something I'd like to get into. Yeah, I feel like I, you'd be good at that. Yeah, I, I would love to go around and, and speak, you know, whether businesses, schools or whatever it is, man, just to ha- be that, you know, I don't know how to label it, maybe an inspirational speaker or whatever the fuck is. Everyone's says they're a motivational speaker and all that bullshit but but not um, of them have a, all you know not all of them have stories yeah just so, because, yeah, they, make, just because yeah, they make a million dollars they're like yeah. i'm a motivational yeah. speaker I scream and curse and i think know. my name's matt foley yeah. and i am a motivational speaker <laughs> i think i think the i think there's a difference between people who come from something to nothing in a financial sense and people who come from something to nothing in an emotional and physical physical sense like yourself right. it drives home with a lot more people because more people can relate to feelings oh, yeah. and, and being one with themselves as opposed to someone saying, hey, I made a million dollars by 25 years old and this is how I did yeah, it. And this is what people don't always relate to that. Nah. You know, and uh, it's not relatable. It's not it's not the, what they call it. It's more the exception than, than the yeah. rule. You know, like, I'm going to hear what you say. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a millionaire. Yeah. No. But, you know, on, on, on my side, like it's like I'm, I'm kind of giving you the 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 training of the mind to be like, all right, man, you can fucking be whatever you want to be. You know, like you, you can do whatever you want to do. 100%. I'm not saying you're going to be a millionaire, but fucking to me, like the epitome of a man, man, like I said, is just be the best for the ones that need you the most, you know, and whatever be the that best is, for the ones that need you the most, Yeah, whatever that is, then that, that's gotta put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got, I got a, a bunch of sayings. I want to put on some, some <laughs> one, of my, one of my favorite saying, sayings, though, is what kind of relates with what you're saying is, but, you know, health is wealth. So yeah. you can be a millionaire, but you can have terrible, you know, mental health. You can be physically unhealthy. You don't got shit. So your health comes first regardless, whether it's yeah. mentally Mental, or, phys- physical, or physical. Yeah. Because, going on round two here, man. You, know, you, yeah, nice. you see a lot of these. Uh, I related to like, you know, these childhood actors or these um, people that grew up in not usual circumstances at a young age. And then as they as they get older, you know, they're like a shit show. And yeah. I'm like, how the fuck does that happen? You had the world by the balls at that 10 years old. 10 and now years you're, old, millions of dollars. And, and 25 years old, you're a drug addict. Yeah. And, and you're, you know, you're living on the streets and you're, you know, beating up people. Like, how does that happen? Yeah. So they get too rich too quick. Yeah. You know, you know, they don't, the, the right people behind them, like yeah, you said. Yeah, they're exposed to, to 
not the right people. It's a horrible people that are going to prey on them and, and take advantage of them. And, do, you know, do you have good. a, uh, do you have like a one fit? Not, I wouldn't say favorite, but one impactful story where you help somebody and they told you like, Hey, you know, I, I listened to you or I spoke to you and, and you helped. Yeah. Me there's out. been a, a few that <laughs> it's funny, man. Cause you, you know, like you guys know, you probably do shows or you, you do stuff on social media and you have no idea who's listening or who's, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I, the people that have reached out to me are people where I'm like, I've never seen them like comment on anything I ever do. And they would say like, Oh, how, how much the show is helping them or how much that, that post I did really helped them or, you know, and there was even this guy, I man, I can't remember what, what country is from. It, he, that's a great that's by the way that's a great problem i don't want to say problem but yeah. that's a that's the coolest thing yeah right? it's i can't remember what country he's from yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like you're you're reaching people yeah, all was, over the world and that, that's just i guess what we you know the world we live in today with social media and, and it's great and i love that i, I ended up it. you know doing a, fu- a couple of zoom calls with him you know and just helping him out and, and he, he said how much i helped him out mentally and and get him you know kind of on the path of getting in shape you know he's not going to be a bodybuilder he's not going to have a six-pack but you know comes down to be the best for the ones that need you the most you know whatever that is Mm -hmm. um so that that one kind of really stuck out Uh, on that was you know a couple years ago when i first started doing everything um so yeah that one kind of always stuck out just because it was like i said i don't even know what country the guy was from you know and and he spoke English, obviously had an accent but you know it was pretty cool yeah someone picked you to to help them yeah. So is that is that uh, primarily what you're doing with Go Primal is is coaching and um, helping those that are battling addictions and and it's, struggling with mental health? Yeah, it's something that you know. I mean, obviously, like you know, we have the apparel, so um, I kind of I think wanted to get away from being like I'm an apparel brand, you know? What yeah, I mean? yeah. Like it's not. I think it's just more like. And, and I did have some coaching where I did help some people one on one. But now I think I'd like to, you know, like I said, branch out more into the to the speaking engagements and, and that route. Um, but, you know, I've had uh, actually it's funny. I had um, an event at a cigar lounge in Hicksville, you know, call, you know, I call GP Nation. Be a part oh, what cigar Nation. lounge? Uh, moms. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I know moms um, in Hicksville. <laughs> uh, Sam, the guy, Sam. Uh, He's a pretty cool guy. He he. I used to go in there a lot because just where I, I in between jobs, I would always stop there and and start talking to him. And then yeah, ended up having it was like eleven or twelve guys maybe. We just kind of hanging out, bullshitting, you know. And and so I think I I would love to you know keep that going where I I develop a community here on Long Island, like I said, called GP Nation, and just really focusing on helping guys, man. No doubt. I love it, dude. I mean, there's Lord knows that we need a lot more of. Uh of that and some positive mental attitude yeah. and, and the, the good mental health because. Cause you're really a, a more of the, the smaller statistic of people that have dealt with mental health and addiction that don't get out of it. Yeah. You know, majority of people don't have that strength to, to pull themselves yeah. out of it, you know, and we talk about it all the time with the, uh, the book, I don't know if you ever read outwitting the devil by Napoleon mm-hmm. Hill. But it's all about the positive atoms and the negative atoms, and what they call them, the, the drifters, right? They, yeah, they the call book. them the drifters. Mm-hmm. So the drifters, and the he, he relates them as people who. So the book is outwitting the devil. It's basically he ha, he sits down with the devil and he asks him, has an interview with them, mm-hmm. and he asks him every single question you can think of, and he gives you all the answers, and he says, you know, the drifters are the people, are ninety eight percent of the world which I control. I can't control the people that don't believe in me, that don't be, that believe in themselves that can do it, that have some kind of positive attitude, 
and but 98% of the world is mine because yeah, a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of negativity out there between poverty and, and all this stuff and uh I just con- that's why I focus my my strength but if you have the mindset if you have the willpower to break yourself out of that that rhythm I have no control over you yeah and, and he uh, talks about uh uh how the devil a lot of people portray uh, uh they they see the devil as in this red horned tail you know, sharp, t- long tail pitchfork, figure, yeah, right? Yeah. With a pitchfork and, and <laughs> black wings, right? And he goes, that's not what the devil is. He goes, the devil is um, all of the negative feelings that I can instill on people. He yeah. goes, and the number one being fear. He goes, I can control your mind through fear. He goes, I can implant fear into your mind and prevent you from doing anything. Whether it's, you know, fear of failure or fear of poverty poverty, or even uh, a fear of neglect or fear of, of rejection, rejection yeah. or whatever the fear is. He goes, I can implant this little feeling, a little emotion into your or thought into your brain and prevent you from doing anything. And then the more that I do that, he goes, I make you into a drifter, which means you just drift through life, never mm-hmm. amount to, amounting to anything because you're afraid to do it. He goes, and then there's a few other negative emotions, you know, whether it be anger or whether it be jealousy, all, you know, seven deadly sins. Yeah. He goes, I can... I can just implant into your brain one of these and prevent you from doing anything. Mm-hmm. He goes, but there's the 2% that overcome that, and they don't let that control them. They don't let fear stop them from doing these certain right. things. And those are the 2% that amount to all the, to strive to and become great is because they don't allow fear to control them. Yeah. Um, it's a great, it's a, it's a fantastic book, Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. So congratulations. It sounds like you're all that 2%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sounds like, you know, and um, I think it's, you know, it's funny you say that because it, it's I think you're going to have that. And what I do is and I use that because my, my biggest fear right now is, is not being around for my boys, you know, and and um, I, I, I use that to, you know, to push me to be my best because mm-hmm. I know like what's going to not keep me around if I touch a drink again. You know, what what's not going to, you know, be a good father to my kids is if I don't watch what I eat, if I don't stay healthy. I'm going to go into that mental, you know, path of, of fucking hating myself mm-hmm. again. Um, so I use that fear to fucking to my advantage, you know. And, you do. Yeah. So and that that's that's and then the, I use, you know, I always say I run on, on fear and faith because then faith is that part where, man, there's shit that's just going to happen that you can't control, you know, and that's just the reality of it. Um, and there's no sense in getting all worked up. Right. You can't control. So I just, right. you know, use my faith you know i pray to god every day to, to give me the strength to be my best to, to give me the strength to get through the day you know to protect my family and, and stuff like that so you know I, I i basically i'm running on fear and faith i'm gonna use it to my advantage man fuck the devil you know <laughs> i love it so, i love yeah. it hell yeah and, and, and you know what's you know you know the other side of it yeah. right so like you look now you probably look at yourself in the mirror and you love the person that you're seeing in the yeah. mirror right but you're look you know both sides like, listen, I can either. Which is you, very unique. You're like today, you know, I, both sides. it's yeah. one of those things that keeps going. Cause like, listen, I know that if I stop, I know where yeah, I'm going to I know where I'm going. I know. And I hated that yeah. guy. I hate that. I never want to feel that again. Yeah. So I'm, 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 there's no, there's no, I'm, I'm stopped counting the days. I'm, this is me now. And I, this yeah. is me. This is who I am. This is what I do Most each definitely. and every day. 
and I know that if I slip up, I'm right back there. Yeah. And, I, and I'd say that's more of an advantage, I think, to know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know where the you know, 100%. a lot of people don't know if they don't do what they are supposed to do, where it will lead them. But like you know, your situation, you know where the road leads mm-hmm. and you know not to go down that path. Yeah. So that, that's definitely an advantage. It's, it's, it's making meaning of the things that happen, you know, and I just was never a fan of people with, oh, everything happens for a reason, you know, and I used to get fucking pissed off. So like, what the fuck was the reason my dad died? What was the fuck? You know, like I would just be pissed off all the time here that and i think it was like it's just you just got to switch that up a little bit and i always say like i don't know why things happen but you just have to make meaning of the things there's a lesson in everything yeah there's a lesson in everything whether it's a bad bad thing or a good thing man you make meaning of it Mm -hmm. you know and and i remember it was i had a a guest on my uh my show in the early days uh he had an eight-year-old son that died and i was just like man thinking like how the fuck do you make meaning of that? Yeah. And and he he was he, he said he struggled for a good year where he was homeless. He he wanted to give up. He, he didn't give a shit about anything. Contemplated the suicide, and, and now he helps people that are going through the same shit. You know, and that's the meaning he had to make out of it. You know, and and that I think that's just what you have to do in life. Amen, brother. I mean, that's you got to make the meaning meaning out of everything. Yeah, got to you got to you can either. You can either let it break you down and let it just completely destroy you, or you can try to learn a lesson from it, try to make the most of it. You know, it's, it's, you got to play the hand that you're dealt. Yeah. You know, some people get dealt a shitty hand, but, yeah. you know, just like in poker, I've seen some people win with the absolute garbage. Yeah. <laughs> they, they acted as if and they, they fucking won, man. They figure out yeah. a way to win with what they're dealt with. Yeah. There's always, there's always, a, there's always a better path. And there's, al- and there's always a path, like you said. It's the, the decisions you make. Yeah, it's always a choice, man. Always a choice. Amen, brother. Amen. I love it. Well, we're about, we're hour in, hour and twenty. There we go. Oh, nice. Just yeah. like that. Nice. <laughs> Just like we said, that did go quick, right? <laughs> hour and twenty, man. So yeah. usually towards the end of the podcast, we kind of just like to give you. The red carpet where you can plug away and tell people where they can find you, any events or any projects that you're working on that you can tell people to, to expect to look out for. So, Chris, please, the yeah. floor is yours. Uh, I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, Instagram is Chris Fontana GP, as in Go Primal. Um, GoPrimalUSA.com. You can find the uh, the apparel, yeah, the nice hoodie that I got on. Um you know, LinkedIn, Chris Fontana, Facebook, Chris Fontana. We got, you know, NGBN.TV. You can find my show, The Primal Mindset. Um, we actually have a good thing and what's on. That, and what's that on? What is uh, NGBT on? And NGBN.TV yeah, um, is, is the website. Or you can actually download the free app on Roku, uh, Android devices, Amazon Fire. We're waiting on Apple because they're a pain in the ass. So. Yeah, they take the longest. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, we're waiting on that. Eventually, it's going to be, you know, pretty much all devices. Um, there's some good things with NGBN. In April, There's they're having a, a two-hour live course on, on uh, I think, like CPR and then also how to um, look for signs of uh, mental health with men mm-hmm. and, and to help them with suicide and stuff like that. So you can actually sign up for that on, on the website. How often is your show? It's going to be um, right now every two weeks dropping on Sundays. Um, eventually, I will go to every week. But, yeah, every two weeks, the Primal Mindset will be on Sunday morning. So new new show. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. Well, Chris, you, you have an amazing story. We're really glad you were able to ex- yes, talk you. about it on our podcast. You know, it's very inspirational, not only to us, but all the people that are watching and listening. And, you know, we only wish you the best. You know, the, the journey's only begun in, yeah. in my eyes. So. Again, thank you for coming on, and uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me on, guys. It was good. Well, we're drinking water, so we can't really yeah. cheers with it, but <laughs> yeah. um, our, our our typical send-off, I'll let Eric uh, say it. But before we do that, if you like this episode, please hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, <laughs> um, hit that bell, even though nobody ever hits the bell. 
Um, <laughs> but again, check out Chris Fontana, all his uh, platforms. Okay, the Primal uh, Mindset Show, Go Primal, um, hashtag GP Nation, and um, and what is, and what is the saying again? We wake up, we wake up today, we go today. We wake up today, we go today, everybody. Yep. So thank I you again, it. Chris. Thank yep. you everybody for watching and listening. Cheers, chin chin, and salute. Oh, 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 oh,